Let's believe God for great, great things. Let's believe Him for great things every single day. He's an infinite God. And I know that we have trouble, we have difficulty understanding the ramifications of that. We are bombarded daily by our own inadequacies, our own failures, our own, uh, I can't remember this, I forgot to do that. Uh, our shortcomings seem to overwhelm us. And, and then we try to, we try to think of God who, who doesn't have any of those, but we end up projecting some of that stuff onto Him, uh, whether consciously or, or unconsciously. And we start to we start to doubt and we start to, to fail to believe the promises that God has given us in His Word. And again, Wednesday night, some of us are more tired than others, uh, at least in body, and that doesn't help either. But again, in the Spirit, we can be excited, folks. We can be full of faith. We can be full of confidence in the Lord our God. Our confidence in Him is never misplaced. He is no fool who puts his hope in the Lord. Amen. My hope is in the Lord my God every single day. It's been in me, and uh, I've seen the results of that. I've lived them. I don't want to do that anymore. Amen. It hurts. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm going to keep trusting in God, because He's never, ever failed me yet. Amen. So let's go to Him in prayer. Let's go to Him in faith believing. Whatever it is we have need of tonight, He can take care of that for us. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We worship You. We praise You. We laud and we magnify You. Thank You, Jesus, for this opportunity You've given us tonight to enter again into the presence of Almighty God, the very throne room of the Almighty. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We do laud and magnify You tonight. We heap glory and honor unto the Most High God because only You, Lord Jesus, are worthy to receive it. You're worthy to receive it because of who You are. You are the Lord of lords, the King of kings. Hallelujah, Jesus. You sit upon the throne all by Yourself. You're worthy because of the great and mighty acts that You've done. Your train fills the temple. You've never failed. You've never known defeat. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for You. I'm so thankful for the opportunity You've afforded each of us this evening to receive of You all that You have in store. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would release faith into this assembly tonight. Help us to see You for who You truly are. You are the risen Savior. You sit on the throne. You have all power. You have all authority. There is nothing that You cannot do. Help us to realize by faith who we are tonight, Lord Jesus. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, imbued with power and with authority. Hallelujah, Jesus! To live victoriously above sin, above fear, above doubt. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We worship You. We worship You. Thank You, Jesus, for victory tonight. Thank You, Jesus, that You will take care of each and every need in this place. We give You the glory. We give You the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated tonight. This has nothing to do with the message, but I am amazed that someone so young has, has almost no life experience, has so much to say. <laughs> I think it's awesome. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. 
I could listen to you all day long. Amen. <clears throat> Our scripture text tonight will be found in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers, chapter 13. We'll start reading in verse 17. Numbers 13, starting with verse 17. And then we're going to jump all the way up to Hebrews, chapter 3. We'll jump to Hebrews, chapter 3, but we're going to start in Numbers, chapter 13. Verse 17. The Bible tells us this. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men came to Hamath. And they ascended by the south, and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses, and said, Let us go up at once, and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. All right. Jumping to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. We'll be talking on this topic tonight. Trying to win by losing. Trying to win by losing. Now we have all heard of the phrase, failure way to victory. We've seen examples of that in history. Uh, we, we can think just off the top of my head, uh, Thomas Edison, who found a thousand ways that didn't work. He eventually found a way that did work, didn't he? Amen. What we have today. Abraham Lincoln, he's always a good one. 
He couldn't do anything right. Everything he touched turned to lead. He would run for public office. Yeah, I don't know how many he ran for. Lost, lost every one of them. Failed in two businesses. One of his wives, I think, died. He had a mental breakdown. He couldn't do anything until he was elected president of the United States. And now he's the most famous president that we've had, other than maybe George Washington. Everyone in the world knows Abraham Lincoln. Amen. So we understand the, the concept of failure way to victory, but the problem with that is you need to be trying to find the right way to do something. If I'm failing my way to victory, I'm failing because I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't figured the right way out yet. But once I find it, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to win, and I'm going to have victory over this thing. I can't fail my way to victory continuing to do the same wrong thing over and over and over again. I'm going to keep failing. I'm going to fail my way to, to failure. Ultimate failure. I mean, there, there's, there's no profit in doing that. If I'm going to be victorious, I'm trying to find the right way to do something. So we see this example given to us in Scripture. We've read this passage of Scripture once or twice. Uh, we understand what's going on here. The spies brought back an evil report. This is the land that God promised Israel. This was the promise of God that they were talking about. Promise to Abraham. At the time they exited uh, Egypt, it was 430 years. 430 years anticipating this. And now here they are at the cusp of receiving this promise that was promised to Abraham. Transmitted through Isaac, through Jacob. And now here they are, standing at the River Jordan. They're about to possess it. We start reading in Numbers 13, 17, 18. God commanded them to go spy out the land. Why did He do that? We know that God already knew what was over there for Him. He didn't need an intel report. He didn't need a sit rep. He didn't need anything. He knew already. I think there were a few reasons. One, probably to see if they would. They'd obey. I think God wanted Israel to see their enemy up close. What they, God wanted them to know what, what it is they were getting into. Okay, God has given them this promise. I am going to give you the land. Give the land? They're going to receive the land, but they're going to have to do something for it. They've got to go fight. They've got to go conquer this enemy first. And they're not going to do it all at once. God said they're going to do it little by little. Until the whole thing is possessed. Folks, God doesn't hide the truth from us. There's never any bait and switch in Scripture. 
He's up front about everything. His promises, those things He promises us, they're not sugar-coated. Typically, He says, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you will, I will. If you don't, then there's no promise. The promise is null and void. This land that God promised Abraham is one of those promises. If you will, then I will. Go over and possess it. Take ownership of it. It's yours if you want it. But you've got to go take it. We have a lot of promises like that today, church. God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. But they're not... He's not going to put a pink bow on it. Wrap it real nice and here you go. Not typically... Typically, it's, it's over there if you want it. Now go get it. Or don't. But it's up to you. It's, th- it's there if you want it. It's yours if you want it. But you've got to go take it. I read the rich young ruler. This young man that Jesus loved. He was doing everything right. Lacking one thing. He's a little bit greedy, a little bit possessive. Jesus knew that. This is how we fix it. Let it go. It has possession of you right now. Let it go. And come and follow me. He couldn't do it. So rather than modifying his request, rather than changing the terms of the promise, he let the young man go. He let him walk away. He didn't sugarcoat anything to the rich young ruler. This is what you need to do. Or don't. There was a time where he was Early in Christ's ministry, he was doing miracles and signs and wonders, and great big crowds were following him. People were emptying the houses, emptying the cities, coming to hear him preach. I want some of the loaves and fishes. I want to receive a healing. But then he started to change the tone, the tenor of his message. He started talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And they couldn't understand what he was talking about. These are hard sayings. How could we receive this? And many people started to walk away. So much so that he even turned to the twelve and said, will you leave also? But he didn't, what he didn't do is, no, 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 wait. What I really meant was, Please come back. We don't ever see him doing that. He meant what he said. 
He meant exactly what he said. And he let him go. It was theirs to possess if they wanted it. Truth. Truth from the originator of truth. But they walked away. And Jesus left them. When God gives you a promise, He will let you walk away from it. If you want to. When God promises you a blessing, promises you a ministry, promises you to... to advance you in His kingdom, promises to use you mightily. That's something God wants to do in you, through you, with you. If you want it. But if you don't want it, if you can't receive it, you're going to end up walking away from it. Why? What does Hebrews 3 says? You won't be able to enter into that promise because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. God also wanted the spies to check out the land. How bountiful and how wonderful was this land, flowing with milk and honey. It was a paradise. A veritable paradise. It had every provision that they could ever need or want. What else would you expect from something that God gives, God provides? So we see God has promised them the land and He's promised them a fight. As a general rule, folks, we get both every time we we see a promise in Scripture. If you'll take care of the battle, if you'll go through the fight, you'll receive the promise. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to have all the answers as to why we got to fight all the time. Because quite frankly, can I be honest in church? Sometimes I get tired of fighting. I do. It seems like I'm fighting all the time. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It seems like we're fighting all the time. Can I just take take a day off? Wouldn't that be nice? Get a little bit of sleep? What did I heard a sermon one time. Uh, Brother Kenzie. Kenzie? The guy in Florida? Brian Kinsey, yeah. Called Learn to Love the Battle. And I don't remember anything about the message except the title. But uh, but that title has stuck with me. And I'm trying. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do love the battle. I love, I love chasing the enemy and I love getting victory. I do. Some of you guys know I'm a, I'm a little competitive sometimes. I like winning. I just I like winning. I've become a better loser, but I think I think I'm a much better winner. Amen. But I love winning. So a lot of times I'm there. I'm gonna 
Victory at the other side? Yeah, that's mine. I want that. Other times, I'm tired. Can we do this tomorrow? I don't want to do this right now. you got to learn to love the battle. Because at the other side of the battle is victory. At the other side of the battle is a promise. God's promise. Folks, I want that promise. I want it. I want it something fierce. Speaking of hard sayings, Oh, God never asked them to discover if the people were good or, or bad. How many are they? How are they armed? What's their organization? A lot of strategic, tactical stuff, but nothing moral. Well, God had already made that judgment call for them. In fact, that's why Israel was sitting at the banks right now, to execute the judgment of God. That's what they were going to do. They were going to be used by God as His instrument to execute judgment. Moral judgments are not ours to make. They're God's. I don't get to determine what's right and what's wrong. I don't have the equipment to do that. I'm not built to do that, and neither are you. I don't understand right from wrong. I can't by myself, my own wisdom, my own intellect, arrive at truth. That has to be revealed to me by the one who possesses truth. For example, why is murder wrong? Well, because it is. Everyone knows it is. I agree with you, but why? Why is it wrong? Well, you're taking a life. So, hurricanes take lives. Doctors take lives. Why is it wrong? If, it's, if it doesn't come from Scripture, folks, people have a very hard time answering that question. If you press them for an actual answer, Instead of these roundabout things. Well, because it is. Well, because if we just murdered everyone, we wouldn't have a society. So? Why do I care about society? If, if God doesn't exist, why do I care about you? Why would you care about me? Why ought I to care? What moral impetus can you provide me that would make me care. You can't do it. God makes moral judgments. God determines right and wrong. And He enforces that in His people. Adam and Eve, the first sinners, they got that way because they wanted to define right and wrong themselves, apart from God's revelation. Why do I have to love my fellow man? Why can't I adopt a me-first mentality? Because that doesn't reflect the character and image of God. Genesis 9.6, I know I'm spending a little bit of time on this, but I think it's important. Genesis 9.6 says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? 
I kill someone, why do I have to die? For in the image of God made He man. Right there, folks. That's why. That's why murder is wrong. Because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And you matter. You have infinite worth. That's why. God defines right and wrong. So when God judges, He judges perfectly. Numbers 13, 19, and 20 continues. What is the land that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad? What cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents, strongholds, what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, wood or not, be of good courage, bring the fruit of the land. Again, God knew all the answers to these questions. He wanted His people to see the land with their own eyes. This is what He's providing us. This is what He's promised us. All of this stuff. This is amazing. But they also found the battle. They also found the fight. The enemy. Who would try to resist them receiving the promise of God. The parallels there are, I hope, obvious. God promises us something. Expect resistance. That's the fight, folks. When God gives us a command that seems impossible, will we trust God despite the circumstances? Will we trust Him that we'll be able to receive that promise? God knew what the children of Israel would find, and He wanted them to keep trusting in Him anyway. Again, there's no bait and switch here. There's no promise you this and give you that. He's telling them up front. He's showing them. This is what you're going to face to receive it. When God tells us He'll use us in miraculous ways, will we trust Him? Or will we dismiss it as wishful thinking? Because He has told you that. He's told you that explicitly. He's told you that corporately. He's told me that. And if we can't trust God, if we can't take God at His Word, well, then we probably shouldn't be so hard on the poor Israelites, huh? God was demonstrating to the children of Israel that the promise of God would be impossible to receive on their own. But if God would fight with them, it was a sure deal. It was a guaranteed victory. Just like ours. Just like every promise that He's given us. It's a guaranteed victory, folks, if we'll trust in Him. But we've got to trust in Him. We've got to let Him fight the battle. We continue on. Numbers 13, 21-25. So they went up, searched the land for the wilderness of Zin to Rehob. Uh, Rehob. Rehob. As men came to Hamath, uh, they went south where the children of Anak were, came to the brook of Eshkel, cut the grapes. They returned from searching the land after 40 days. So, we start off good here, don't we? They heard the command of God, and they went. 
You want us to search the land? Search the land, we go. Perfect. Perfect. Obedience to the Word of God. That's always the right response for us. When we receive the Word of God, we obey the Word of God. We do the Word of God. The tendency, especially today, it's got to be the spirit of the age. We question and we dissect and we doubt. In uh, Bible translations or uh, higher forms of Bible study, there's, there's textual criticism, literary criticism. And what they're doing is they're looking, like the, like the definition says, they're looking at the text critically. And depending on where you come from, without going too far off on this, depending on what angle you approach this method at, you get some pretty crazy results. And this is being taught in our seminaries. This is being uh, published in theological papers. This is the, this is the Christian world today. Approaching the Bible as if it's false and we're going to prove it true. No, you're not. If you're approaching it as false, guess what result you're going to get? False. That's exactly right. Surprise. That's what they come up with. How how does that work? Wow, I'm surprised. And then they publish this like it's a... It's an actual work that deserves to be read. These things ought not so to be. When you approach Scripture from a higher, at least from your vantage point, a higher truth, a higher authority, and you're judging Scripture based on that higher authority, it's not going to match up, folks. The lower authority is going to be wrong. That's why when I measure up all my lower authorities to my highest authority, Scripture, sometimes they're wrong. That's the right way for me. If it contradicts Scripture, it's wrong. I don't need to pray about it. I don't need to ask counsel about it. Uh, although you can, certainly, feel free. Uh, but if it contradicts Scripture, I already know the answer. Kick it to the curb and move on. They heard the command of God and went. They had no idea what kind of people lived in Canaan. They had no idea what kind of cities they'd find. How many people there would be. How well armed they were. How well could they fight? They didn't know any of these things. They didn't know what they were going to find when they went over and started looking. But they went. And they were gone until they had accomplished all the commandment of the Lord. So there are some things to commend here. They didn't see the first walled city or the the first children of Anak and run back. They stayed until they spied out the whole land. 
They obeyed the commandment of the Lord that they received. They didn't fulfill most of it, almost all of it. They did it. They completed it. When God issues us a command, He's expecting that we'll honor every part of it. Not just the parts that we can do, or not just the parts that we like, or not just the parts that sound nice. All of it. Or it's none of it. We obey or we disobey. If you're guilty at one point of the law, you're guilty of all the law. That works both ways. When God issues the command, He'll make sure we have everything we need to accomplish it. Philippians 2.13 says, and I love this scripture, For it is of God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He gives you the desire and the ability to accomplish His will. We have no excuse. We have none. Except that we said no. That's it. God gives me a command. He gives me everything I need to obey the command. Period. Unless you serve a different God that I serve. Because the God that I serve would not issue me a command that it was impossible for me to accomplish and then wait for me to fail and then judge me for it. That's what you're telling me in any other case. God doesn't do that. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Numbers 13.26 They went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, brought back word unto them, unto all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. Again, this is what they were supposed to do. Spy out the land, get the lay of it, get all the information, bring it back and present it to the children of Israel. Now, if we stop right here, this is an excellent example of the Christian life. Faithfully following the Lord, continuing to trust in Him. If we stop right here. The report God wanted Israel to receive was to be a report based in faith. Faith in the God who could accomplish anything. That was the report they should have given. Everything they said was true. We are not able to do it. The children of Anak were there. The cities were walled. No doubt about it. All of that was factual. But the reason they presented it the way they did was to dissuade the children of Israel from crossing. We can't do this. We ought not do this. Will die. It eats up the inhabitants thereof. They gave a report based in the flesh. They gave a report based in carnality. They gave a report based in what they were able to accomplish. They did not consider God. They did not consider what God would do with them, for them, in them. Even though. From the time of Egypt till this present moment, he's been doing nothing but non-stop miracles. I mean, literally non-stop. 
It's just after one after another. And they'd rejoice and they'd praise God for the miracle. And then the very next day, oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. Brought us out here to die. And then He'd provide for them again. They'd be praising the Lord. This is awesome. And then the next day, they'd want to be back in Egypt. They wanted a report in faith. God wanted to, them to receive a report based in faith. Faith in God. But what they got was a report of doubt and fear because it was based on only what they could accomplish. Faith in God versus faith in ourselves. Faith in God versus faith in man. Faith in God versus faith in my employer. Faith in God versus faith in the government. Faith in God versus faith in anything or anyone else. There's no contest, folks. None. Now again, it's easy to agree with that. Sitting here, listening to Nice message and hopefully hearing the voice of the Lord. But uh, when we're confronted with the battle, when we're confronted with the choice, when we're out there all by ourselves and it's just me and God and the enemy, whose report am I going to believe then? It still has to be God. Even though your emotions are all percolating, you're angry, you're disappointed, you're bitter, you're upset, you're, you're, you're scared, you're lonely, whatever it might be. Those are real. Okay, I'm not, I'm not minimizing. I feel them too. I hate them. I can't stand them because of what they do up here. They mess with my thinking. I typically make poor decisions when I'm emotional. That's why I don't like them. I know God gave us emotions, and I know they're, I know they're supposed to be there, but anyway, pray for me. I'll, I'll get over that. I'll work it out. <clears throat> but we've got to trust in God, folks. No matter what, we got to trust in the Word of God. No matter what, I know it's difficult sometimes to see. I know it's difficult sometimes for us to truly grasp. This is true. This is this is reality. This promise is mine. This is what God actually wants to do in me. I know it's hard to realize that, to really come to terms with that. But folks, when we do when we're able to hold on to that. Even when the enemy is screaming in our ear. That's a lie. And all your sensibilities are trying to confirm that. It's got to be a lie. Look what all I've done. It's got to be a lie. I mean, look what's happened to me in the past. God's not interested in the past. He's not a God of the past. Put that under the blood, if it's not already, and move forward in God. Because this is what God wants to do in you today. I don't know what happened yesterday. I know what happened to me yesterday. 
Yesterday's gone. Nothing we can do about yesterday anymore. But I can do something about now. I can do something about tomorrow. If God gives me tomorrow. But I can definitely do something about right now. I can make right choices now. I can choose to stand on God's Word now. Maybe I didn't yesterday, but I can do it now. Moving on, 20, verse 27. He told them and said, We came unto the land which whither thou sendest. Surely it floweth with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. This is the best of all possible lands. It's prosperous. It's fertile. We can grow food. We can raise animals. It's perfect for us. Again, the culmination of 430 plus years of God's promise to them. And every promise of God is exactly like this. It's the very best of all possible situations. When we receive the promise of God, it's the best situation. It's flowing with blessing and provision. Fertile with potential and opportunity. Every one of the promises of God are perfect for me. Perfect for you. Every, every promise we receive in Scripture is perfect for us. Every promise He's given you specifically, it's perfect for you. It's tailor-made for you. Possess it. You are well able to possess it. And this is where we fall off a cliff. Nevertheless, the spies continue. People be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled very great. We saw the children of Anak there, giants. And all these ites are in there. Jebusites, Amalekites, Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites. Except for Joshua and Caleb, there wasn't an ounce of faith between the other ten spies. At least not in God. God was completely out of the equation. God doesn't exist. We can't trust in Him. We can't rely on Him. If we're going to do this, we've got to do it ourselves. And we can't do it ourselves. So the answer is no. This was to be a report of faith. A report that built the people up, got them energized and excited about what God wanted to do. That's what the report was supposed to be. But instead it was a sack of wet cement. A great big dud. Instead of generating faith and excitement, it brought doubt and fear. Every time we enter into the presence of God, folks, every time we crack open the Word of God, every time we come into a, a service here, it should generate faith. It should generate hope and excitement in the things of God. If you're receiving anything else, that's not from God. It's not from God, folks. And as, as much as I can stand up here and say, I hope it's not from me. If it is, you let me know and I'll repent. Because I'm here to generate faith. I'm here to project faith in, in the Lord our God. Faith in His Word. Faith in the covenant promises that He's given us. Instead of God's purpose being accomplished in all of this, the enemy's purpose was accomplished in all of this. The enemy had won and they never even had to pick up a weapon. Verse 
Matthew 13, 57 and 58 says this, And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. That's exactly right. The only place I see in Scripture where Jesus was not able to do many mighty works. And the reason given was unbelief. Romans 11, 19 and 20 says, Thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Israel was set aside for the church age because of their unbelief. And we were grafted in. Thank God we were grafted in. But we could be cut off too. Scripture goes on to warn exactly that. They didn't spare the natural branch. Don't think that we'll be spared for our unbelief. Unbelief is sin, folks. It is. It's sin. It's failing to believe the promises of God. It's failing to believe in... If I can say it this way, I make God out to be a liar. I don't know how much plainer to say it. Is God a liar? I don't think so either. I think when He says something, it comes to pass. I think when He gives a promise, He means to keep it. When you allow the enemy access to you, when you begin to listen to the enemy rather than God's Word, you will lose the battle before it even begins. You have done the enemy's work for him. He doesn't even have to do anything. We just roll over and show our belly. Enemy comes whispering in our ear. We just fall on our knees and surrender. Doubt and unbelief will lead you away from God. Doubt and unbelief in God shows that our faith and confidence is in something or someone else, not God. The children of Israel's faith and confidence was in their own abilities. <laughs> Militarily speaking, they were hideous at this point. They had zero experience. None. If they're trusting in themselves, they were right to say no. Because they would have got... They'd have got curb stomped. Listen only to God's Word. Only to the voice of God. Numbers 13.30 Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. This is the report that they were supposed to receive. This is the report that God had in mind the whole time. We can do this because God is with us. His faith was in God, not in Himself and certainly not in the congregation. This is the language of one whose faith and whose confidence is in the Lord his God. When faced with difficulty, which one sounds more like you? 
Which one sounds more like me? The language Caleb used or the language the other ten spies used? When I encounter a tough spot and I have to choose surrender to the enemy or pursue the promise of God, what does my language sound like? What am I thinking up here? What am I speaking to myself? You've heard of self-talk, right? How are you talking to yourself? I can't do this. Couldn't do it before. Makes you think this time is any different. That's not faith, folks. Well, it is faith, but not in God. When your faith is in God and not in yourself, Whatever you did in the past is absolutely irrelevant. Who cares? It's not based in me. It's based in God. It's based in what He can do, what He can accomplish. And when it's based in what God can accomplish, He can do anything. And He gave me this promise. Verses 31 and 32. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report. This land, the land that God promised us, the land that He's desiring to give us for a possession, it's evil. It's a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. We'll die if we go over there. Was that what God was trying to do? Couldn't God have just left him to die any of those other ten times where he provided for them? Couldn't he have just done this some other way? If that was his intention, to kill him off. I mean, seriously. Where do you have to be? Where do we have to be spiritually to start really accepting this idea that God is out to get us? He's just leading us here so He can get me. Yeah, it sounds good. That promise sounds pretty amazing, but I know it's going to happen. As soon as I get there, bam! He's going to step on me. I know people think like that. They don't know the same God that I know. They can't. That's not the God that I serve. He's not capricious. He's not fickle. He's not any of that. And if He wanted to step on me, He could do it any time He wants. Why why all the elaborate scheming and planning? Actually, now that I think about it, if I think like that, I'm, I'm, thinking pretty, I'm thinking an awful lot of myself. That God's up there scheming just to get me. Spending all this time on me. I must be pretty big. <laughs> I mean, think about that. It's re- 
anyway. Who cares? Everything that they said was true. They didn't lie. But what they failed to do was frame it in the proper circumstance. They, they failed to frame it in the light of God's promise. All these things are true except God. All these things are against us but God. Again, we have to know the God that we serve. If we understand who God is, folks, none of this stuff would even enter into our minds. We know God's not like that. We know God loves us. We know God wants to advance us and use us mightily. He delights to do that. My children, I know I joke with my children, but I'm not purposefully malicious against them. I'm not out to get them and see them fail and fall. What a hideous parent that would be. Now, there are parents like that. But a good parent, a, a proper parent, wants to see them excel. Right? They want to see our children go out and do great things. How much more does God want His children to go out and do great things? He created us to succeed, not to fail. And He wants to help you do that. It's God's perfect will to prosper you, not to defeat you. Alright, Hebrews three eighteen and 19. And to whom swore he that they should not enter into His rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because of their unbelief, they actually disqualified themselves from receiving the promise of God. They were disqualified now. They tried to, we're sorry, my bad, we're, we're ready to go now. The next morning, we're ready to go now, sorry. Mm-mm. Moses said, don't go, God's not with you. You're going to die. Everything you said, that's what's going to happen if you cross. Because God is not with you now. You've forsaken the promise of God. The enemy is always going to try to get us to doubt the promise of God. From the very beginning, Satan told Eve, Hath God said? Is that really what he said? I think of people interpreting the Bible today. What does that really say, though? What does it really say? What does the original Greek and Hebrew say? If I don't like what the verse says, now I start looking into the Greek and Hebrew. And if I don't like what that says, then I'm going to start looking at some commentaries. I'm going to find what I want to find. Let the Bible tell us what it means. Let the Word of God tell you what it says. The enemy will always try to put doubt in our minds. Doubt of God's Word. Doubt of His promises. His character. Doubt concerning who God made us to be. Do you think God wants you to realize who you are in Him? Because when we do realize that, folks, I mean, it's like, it's like a, a... I don't know what a huge... What's a huge breaker switch? 430? Yeah, main. It's like a, it's like a power station clicks on. How about that? 
It's night and day difference, folks, when we realize who we are in God. He does not want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know who God is. He wants you to doubt His character. He wants you to think He's capricious and evil and, and, and sneaky. And, and He's going to get you. Yeah, He promises this, but this is what really is in store. That's what He wants you to think. But that's not God at all. That's a lie of the enemy. Doubt concerning what God wants to do in our lives. How God wants to use you. The miracles that He wants to do through you. I have to wonder, what promises are we being disqualified from because of our unbelief? What things does God want to do in our lives, but we can't enter into them because of our unbelief? Children of Israel succumb to fear. If we go over, we're going to die. That's a type of unbelief. If I trusted in, in God, if I trusted completely in Him, why would I be afraid of anything or anyone? Now, I'll be perfectly honest. I do want to go home. I do want to see Jesus. And if he, if he wanted to do that today, I'd be totally okay with that. There's a saying, uh, some of you I know have heard it because you've told me it. Everyone, everyone wants to go see Jesus, just not today. <laughs> I, would, I would love to go today because i got to work tomorrow. So, tonight would be just fine. <laughs> tonight would be great. Take me home now. But uh, but there are some ways I would rather go. I mean, there, there are some ways that, that seem really painful, and, and I'll admit that makes me a little uncomfortable, okay? Uh, I wouldn't want to drown or burn alive or anything like that. Um, I am really tired. Can you tell? Getting back. In conclusion, that's probably best best way to go. There are things that God desires to do for you, in you, through you. Is that being hindered because of our unbelief? I don't care how plausible or logical or sensible something sounds. If it contradicts God's Word in any way, I've got to kick it to the curb. And they are going to sound logical. And they are going to sound sensible. I pick on evolution a lot because I hate it. Uh, evolution. When you look at it on the surface, it seems reasonable. It makes sense. Until you start picking at the frayed edges. It doesn't take a very hard tug either. And it starts to unravel. I will stand only on the Word of God. And I don't have time to get into this. I'm talking about ways to die. <coughs> Alright. The Word of God says that the Lord God is my Savior. 
Isaiah 45, 21, and 22. We don't have time to read it. Exodus 6, 6, and 7. He's my healer. By His stripes we are healed. With His stripes we are healed. Himself bear our sicknesses and carry our infirmities. He's my deliverer. He's my provider. God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's my God. And He delights that He is my God. He delights to call me His Son. This is the God that I serve, folks. And when I trust in Him, when I trust in the covenant promises that He's given me, I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to stress out about. I have nothing to worry over. He's got me. The promises that He's given me are yea and amen. They must come to pass. Because He's a God that cannot lie and He will not repent. He's infinitely powerful. He knows everything. What can't He do? But will He? Yes, He will. Or He's a liar. Take your pick. I choose to believe that He will. Amen. we got a lot to be excited about, folks. Who He has created us to be. Things that He desires to do in us, through us, with us. Understanding who, who it is, this God that we serve. How awesome is He. Amen. Our future is amazing. It's amazing. Let's all stand.